Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 258, recorded live on Saturday, May 26th, 2012. And here are your hosts, the man who is a Wisconsinite, Dave Pillay. Hello! The man who is a Michigander, Andy Lowe. Oh. Hi. You even not know that. I don't. I Michi- Michigan night. Michi- anyway, Michigander. Michigander. You, you had it, but yes. Michiganian. No, no, no. And uh, our that third voice you heard is our guest this week. The man who I'm guessing is a Vancouverite. Yes, yes. Vancouverian. <laughs> well Nels played. Anderson from Clay Entertainment. Hello, Nels. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no problem. Thank you for joining us. So we'll be Vancouver, Vancouverite. That just Vancouverite. sounds right. Yes, that one, that one is right. Yeah, okay. Michigan. I, I swear I knew it was Michigander, but then when I read that, I'm like, Mich, Mich, Michiganian? Michiganian? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's Michigander. Michigander, okay. Or troll, if you prefer, if you're from the Lower Peninsula. <laughs> oh. oh, the trolls and the youpers. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that really a thing? Yes, that's actually really a thing. You're under the bridge on the map. Because uh, there's yeah, there's Northern uh, Michigan, and then there's the Mackinac Bridge, and then there's Lower Michigan. Interesting. So wait, what's the other half? Uh, you you what? They're the called Upers. The Upers, because it's the Upper Peninsula, UP. Oh, I see. Wow. Yeah. Learning all kinds of interesting cultural nuances <laughs> that are only applicable in Michigan. <laughs> I do. You never know when you might. I think my sister's actually in Detroit today, in fact. Oh. Yeah. She lives in California, but she's in Detroit for some reason. <laughs> or another. Yes. Oh, wow. Something. I would, I'd hope she'd have a reason to be in Detroit. It's <laughs> really, sure. generally, it's not a place you just kind of go to visit. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she wants to buy a house for a couple pairs of jeans or something. Yeah. Oh, I'm the bad person. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so Nels, you you've got a, a bit of a game coming out soon, yeah? Soon, soon it's it's almost done, um, which is uh, which is both great and terrifying. Would you like to perhaps talk about it for a little bit? Yeah, yeah of course. Um, yeah, so the game is uh, called Mark of the Ninja. It is a uh, side-scrolling 2D stealth game. Um, for at this point, Xbox Live Arcade, but we would definitely love to do a PC version as well. Uh, we've still got details and such to sort out there, but um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, definitely kind of a weird, unusual thing because stealth games don't really exist in 2D, especially not side-scrolling 2D. Um, so it's kind of a different, unusual thing. Okay. So now, okay. So I'm like thinking about this. The previous game from you guys was what Shank? Yep. Uh, technically Shank too, but obviously. Well, well the Sh- the Shank series. That's right. It seems a little bit of a departure from you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. If, that- <clears throat> if I recall, playing Shank was like run through the level and beat the crap out of as many people as you can with the most bloody and amazing combos you can come up with. <laughs> yep, yep. This seems oh. like a, a rapid departure. It's all, it's really interesting though because it's the same art style. Yep. It's the same gameplay style. I mean, kind of overall in the sense that it's the side-scrolling action. But the yeah. the tactic it will be completely different. Yep, yep. No, and that was that was very much on purpose. Um, I mean, I actually quite liked Shank, um, but it was kind of the exception that proved the rule. Where in general, um, like really, really combo heavy beat 'em ups, uh, especially in 3D, you know, like your DMCs and your bayonetas and stuff. Like, I get why they're good. I totally understand why people like them a lot, but they're not really um, my bag. 
Um, and I certainly would, would not be well suited to, to make one. Um, so it was kind of a, a very intentional departure that Ninja was something quite different from Shank. Um, obviously, like there's sort of, you know, fundamental stuff that, that Clay as a group of people is, is good at, right? So like, you know, really stylized, flowing 2D uh, animation. Um, almost all of our artists uh, actually have a background in like traditional uh, feature cartoon type animation. Um, and so that's why it looks the way it does. <laughs> um, so it's like, okay, well, we have, you know, this expertise, I guess. Um, what else can we do with that that, you know, leverages that well, but does something really, really different, both in terms of just different from Shank, but also different as in something that no one has really done before, certainly, certainly at least at this uh, at this scope. Um, yeah, so that was the idea, and I think, hope, that's where it's ended up. Um, we, we, we showed it off at PAX East, you know, uh, was it um, a month and change ago, um, and people seem to really dig it. I mean, at this point, like, I'm so close to the bloody thing, right? Like, all I see is the, the flaws and stuff that doesn't work. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, people liked it almost more than I was expecting they would, I think, um, which is always good. I mean, I, like, obviously, I, I just thought it, like, I was wondering how niche it might be, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But it seemed like it, even plenty, like um, Patrick uh, Klepek from Giant Bomb, he basically said, he's like, normally I hate cell games, and I totally love this. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's good, I think. <laughs> um, so, well, that, I mean, that's really good. And you, I, I saw that you've done a lot of stuff to try and make the stealth game a bit more approachable. Generally, they are quite niche, but... Uh, are you are you still hoping that the do you have any evidence rather that the stealth loving crowd would still like this? Oh no, I definitely do. I mean, because that's 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 definitely me, right? Like, I'm I'm pretty serious about my stealth games. Um, there's there's certainly one of, if not my favorite type of game. Um, so it still has like all the good crunchy stealth stuff, and hopefully, in a way, it just makes what about stealth games is good. It puts it like even more at the forefront because because yeah, kind of like you said, right? That like they can be it can be. It's, I don't think it's necessarily niche in that kind of kind of the the you know the, the 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 fantasy or the trappings or whatever that it provides are not necessarily like really um you know I I don't think that's the niche part it's more that like the actual playing of the thing um just can be kind of really inaccessible right like there's all these really really opaque systems that if you don't understand just due to you know the 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 balance of power generally in the game because it's a stealth game right like obviously if you could just stand toe to toe with all the dudes and punch them in the face you would have a cause to be sneaky um so because of that you kind of need to have a pretty good understanding of the systems to be able to play the game and not just die or lose kind of over and over and over again but a lot of stealth games makes actually understanding that stuff just it does it doesn't really provide like you know a good on ramp or through way or whatever to actually starting to understand those systems right it's kind of like you know what how robust is the enemy ai's uh perception of like hearing in this game it's like well all you can kind of do is make some noises and they will hear it or not and then eventually you start to kind of like build those mental models of how far guys can hear and do different types of surfaces make noise and stuff like that um but it just at usually just ends up being trial and error right but of course because the error part in a stealth games tends to be very very high you don't really want to do the trial and error but the only way to understand the game well enough to actually play it and have a satisfying time is to do all that trial and error so it's just kind of like i think that is what drives it toward being a bit more niche and we're like well at least at least my perspective is that like the understanding of all those uh you know of all the stealth mechanics and systems it's like that's not really the interesting part per se it's more like what you can do with that once you understand those systems so the approach we took um and this was also just kind of by virtue of it being 
in 2D and us having to do different things in general, uh, it was like, okay, well, let's just make those systems way more transparent. So it's like, you know, if a noise is made, there's like a visualization on screen of exactly how far that noise propagates. And if that that visualization goes past a dude's face, uh he heard it. And if it doesn't, he didn't hear it. And it's just kind of like that cut and dry. So then the the kind of thinking you can do, and this is the, the, the satisfaction I think that stealth games really provide, is that you're thinking generally at a higher level, right? Like most character action games are all about reaction, really, right? It's like, you know, oh, there's, you know, walk into a new space, there's some encounters and you have to survive. Um, but kind of fundamentally with stealth games, because the world is unaware of you, the, the player is the one that sets out perturbing the world kind of at their pace. So really you end up thinking way more about cause and effect. Um, and that's what I like so much about stealth games. You kind of have to, st- you know, think like two or three moves ahead in a way that you don't in most reactive type action games. I mean, of course, like it's not like, it's not that they're, you know, a lesser type of game. They just offer uh, kind, of, kind of a different type of challenge, right? It's, yeah, it's more so it's about, a different experience. Yeah, it's more about execution and performance rather than like planning and, and kind, of, kind of thinking uh, about cause and effect. Um, and it's, it's that thinking about cause and effect thing that I really, really like. So hopefully we just kind of put that more at the forefront with Ninja rather than being like, okay, well, once you put in your time and understand all these systems, then you can get to that good stuff. It's like, well, let's just move the good stuff closer. <laughs> That's a very long-winded way of saying um, I, I think it will definitely appeal to people who like stealth games, but maybe, as as we've been kind of pleasantly surprised by so far, people who are even like, well, normally I don't really like stealth games, but I quite like this. Um, hopefully it will serve both factions of those people well, I hope. <laughs> now, I do have to say I, that stealth game is kind of my niche. As I sit here looking at all my Hitman awesome. and Assassin's Creed <laughs> games yep. and keeping tabs on Monaco. Oh, yes, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, well, actually, at, at PAX East, uh, Andy and myself and another uh, guy named Dan Silvers, who's working on Children of Liberty. Oh, yeah, did, I like, heard about that one, too. Like, yeah, we did, like, an hour-long panel Q&A type thing um, that was just all about stealth games. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I, Andy, I, you have to start going to PAX again. <laughs> <God. laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Um, yeah, so, uh, yes, definitely, I, I very much like these things as well. Well, I was just curious to see what your thoughts are, because the, the new Assassin's Creed, we're getting more information about that. How do you think Assassin's Creed and Hitman is kind of affecting the stealth genre? Because Assassin's Creed and Thief are, yeah, you could consider both of them stealth games, but mm-hmm. they are completely different. Yeah. I, yeah. I just want to point out for the record, I do not play Assassin's Creed as a stealth game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, yeah, I, if my notoriety is not at the, like, three quarters to full... I'm not playing it right. <laughs> yeah, and interestingly, like, I totally play it as a, as a sneaky, sneak, sneak game. Um, no, like, I mean, a part of the problem with, with that I have evaluating the Assassin's Creed series is, is I'm, like, I'm a horrible, gigantic history nerd. So as soon as, like, anything that's, like, e- even even passingly, um, you know, like, like uh, historically relevant comes up, like, my, my quality filter just completely disappears. And I'm like, yep, I will happily, oh, it's the Potsy conspiracy. I, I will happily <laughs> play that thing forever. I don't really care. Um, no, so, like, those games are, like, there's definitely, like, plenty of stuff that the AC series does really well. Like, their core stealth stuff. Um, like it's okay. Uh, certainly, um, like the AI is not particularly robust at all, which is kind of the thing that maybe stealth-wise, I find that I mean, great, whatever. That's not that's not what that game is meant to be about, right? 
But obviously, like the enemies, they see you for two seconds and then you move behind a chimney and then they completely forget you were there and that's sort of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're they're very they're very they're very you know uh, mechanical, I guess, in in their behaviors. They're less robust um, as compared to something like uh, like the, the 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 most recent Hitman game, Blood Money, which is by far and away, I think the, the best one in the series. Um, where obviously it's like it's like it's like way 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 more about you know the actually having like a simulated space where like th- those games like of, of maybe all the stealth games out there like those are the games maybe most about cause and effect right and for that to happen obviously you have the player has to have a large number of causes that the thus the AIs can you know be affected by and react to um, yeah I, I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do with the uh, the next one I mean it, yeah I don't know we'll. Uh, We'll see. Now, whose idea? I, I see. I didn't even hear about Mark of the Ninja until Dave pointed out the uh, text adventure mm. to me. <laughs> Which that, as far as like a hey, take a look at what we're working on. That was fantastic. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, that, it really was uh, the kind of thing where it was just um, me and the the company's founder Jamie were sitting around one. It was like Sunday afternoon or something. We're like, hey, we're gonna need, we need to announce the game soon. What are we gonna do? Hmm. And we like obviously we can do a trailer and a website, but that's you know not not that it, that isn't necessary necessarily ineffective or whatever that's kind of what everybody does we wanted to do something slightly different um like well what about a text adventure okay sure let's do that <laughs> we just kind of did it we worked with our uh, our writer um chris dolan do you guys know chris uh, i have not met chris no okay yeah uh, chris he um he, he's he's been he's been a games and music in general um culture journalist for years and years and years uh he he and uh Jamin warren brophy started uh, Kill Screen magazine. Okay. Um, so yeah, but Chris wanted to sort of jump the fence, so to speak, and get on the game side uh, as well. So he he actually wrote the the entire game. I mean, obviously, like we work with him and stuff, but the actual like words what come out of people's mouths um, were all Chris. And uh, yeah, so so we had the idea for like, okay, we'll do some kind of text adventure thingy, and then Chris just like turned it around in a weekend, basically, and then it was done, and we put it up, and it went out. <laughs> um, I mean, we had the like the the, the framework it was built on it was called. Undum, um, and it's kind of sort of built to do like interactive fiction type stuff like that on on the web. Um, we had to hack it a little bit to have the video and sh- show up right and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was it was, but it was mostly there just out of the box. Of course, we didn't write like the framework ourselves, but the actual what you do, um, yeah, was that it literally came together in like two days. <laughs> And it was cool. Like quite a lot more people liked it than I thought they would. Uh, so I guess this is a recurring trend or whatever. Um, so that's good. Uh, I think we, we kind of maybe got a little bit, bit of an itch to do something maybe kind of related for uh, for right before the game actually launches. Um, I don't know if it'll look exactly like that, but I think we'd like to do something in that spirit of doing something different uh, again. Now, how long have you been working on this game? Uh, we started just after GDC last year, so that would be like March 2011. And it'll be done in like a month and a half, so end-to-end that's like 15, 16 months. That seems pretty quick. It is. Um, uh, yes. For <laughs> There aren't a ton of us either. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's a good amount of time. Like, I don't I, I personally, just in terms of my aptitudes and desires, I don't know if I'd want to work on something for like years and years and years. But similarly, I, I, I'm not super down with something that's like, yeah, we turned this game around in three months. It's like, well, 
you can't really do that much in three months. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's like a good amount of people and a good amount of time. But all things considered, you know, the amount of stuff we had to figure out just because this style of game doesn't really exist. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that time did go very quickly. <laughs> Yeah, because you think about it, it's like, okay, so there, I, you, you have things like Monaco and, and the, the Hitman and everything else, but yeah, you guys definitely picked one that nobody else is doing, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, yeah. Um, when we started, there was basically one side-scrolling stealth game that I was aware of that, of all things, was actually made by uh, Yahtzee Crosshaw, you know, like zero punctuation mm-hmm. video. It's like, he actually made a 2D stealth game called Trilby, which is kind of like elevator action, but a little sneakier. Um, and that was it. Like when we started, that was it. Um, and since uh, there, there's a uh, another there's a game studio in the UK released this actually free freeware uh, stealth game called Stealth Bastard, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's a bit smaller. It's more like a Meat Boy ish, where you know it's like levels are more or less on a single screen. It's not super like rich in terms of the stuff you can do, but it is a cool you know two D stealth game. Um, and then Tom Francis, Tom Francis from the also from the UK started talking about Gunpoint, which if you guys haven't seen is super 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 cool um and then and then shortly after we started the uh, the, those other guys out in boston announced children of liberty as well so since after we started there have been a few more but even then you know relative to all the other types of you know 2d games or stealth games or whatever it's still definitely a bit of a a bit of an aberration Hmm. yes yeah (laughs) um I, I actually there is one thing because um, you've brought up now the reaction to stealth games and you just brought up uh, Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation and he does have an affinity to stealth games. Are you guys hoping he uh, kind of tears into yours? Oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, actually, b- before I worked at uh, at Clay, I worked for Hothead Games on the uh, on the Death Bank series. And uh, Yahtzee okay. did a review um, ages ago about both Death's Bank and Limbo. And it was basically just totally complimentary. And I was like, oh, ha, sweet. That's kind of cool. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll pass muster again. But Yeah. Man, I haven't. Very few I games do. Yes. I haven't watched a ZP in forever. They are still uh, out there. They're I know they're good. still out there. It's one of those so things good. that's like, why did I stop watching? I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> hmm. So I, I have another question, actually. Um, Shank was at least I haven't played through Shank two. I, I have been meaning to, just haven't gotten around to it yet. Mm-hmm. But Shank, we we could say was um, perhaps heavily inspired by Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just is sort of is there a a similar yes. inspiration for Mark of the Ninja, or um, are we going kind of completely? Out of the blue, yeah, not really. The, the tricky bit is, is that kind of, as, 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 especially in you know in the West, as a fictional archetype, like the ninja doesn't. It, it's never really treated in a way that isn't super cornball and goofy, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like th- there are um, from actually from Japan, um, a couple really good ninja movies. They were you know they were made in, like the seventies, and good luck finding an actual copy of them anywhere. Um, but especially in the West, like it's all super cornball stuff, right? Um, so there isn't really like a lot of good inspiration to draw in terms of like popular culture. Um, but w- w- so so again, because I am a giant history nerd, like it actually ended up being far more about like actual history. Um, obviously, the, the the game is set in the in, in the modern era, and it's a bit more you know pop culture ish than like what actually happened during Japan's Warring States period and all that. Um, but kind of looking at just sort of what actually transpired during that period, and you know not just the the myths of the ninjas, but like just w- what was sort of the the, the political tensions were in that era and all that kind of stuff. That was far more of an inspiration than any 
um, other other element of pop culture. Um, that that being said, certainly stuff like spy fiction is, is a bit easier to draw upon because you know it also kind of has that sneaky, concealed um, sort of atmosphere. But it, it at least manages to have stuff that's both a, like a bit more grounded or, or or serious or whatever, and the the really cornball, goofy stuff. And both of those things can kind of live alongside, you know, side by side, health healthfully. Um, so we're trying to hopefully do that with, with Mark of the Ninja, where it's like, oh, this thing is a bit more like cerebral and thoughtful. Um, and hopefully people don't find that uh, unappealing, given that almost all the other ninja stuff is you know, either over the top or completely cornball and goofy uh, or both. Is it wrong when I think of Western ninjas, my thought process automatically goes to Batman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, kind of sort of that, that's like certainly the um, in, in terms of other games, there are things we can draw upon. And the uh, the, the more recent Batman games. Games definitely have like good elements of that for sure oh well I, I the first one had more elements like that rather than the second the second one okay so you had the challenge maps that were stealthy but still yeah i mean it, it's it's more of those bits where you actually get locked in the room and it's like all right no no you gotta be all sneaky and take out all the dudes oh, man now i just want to play the batman again <laughs> damn it darn it andy <laughs> well the okay. dlc for that's coming out soon or did it already come out the Harlequin yeah. DLC? Um, One of the two. Don't have time. Yeah, don't have time. I'm, I've been playing Civ Five. I do not have time for anything. <laughs> nice. There's no stealthiness in Civ Five, Dave. Hey. Well. Okay. No, there, there really is. <laughs> I did I the guess... One City Challenge. <laughs> no, not stealthy. Okay. <laughs> so, Nels, do you mind if I just... I'm curious about this, how people have gotten into the industry. So, do, do you mind, like, going back? Do you remember how you first got into gaming and how you first got into making games? Uh, sure. Um, I'm not obviously like, like a great many people. I've just been playing games since I was a kid. Right. Um, as far as like actually making games, the, the very first thing I did that actually involved any kind of, you know, meaningful design whatsoever was uh, a bunch of tabletop RPG stuff. Um, so I uh, like uh, you know, and the the whole usual gamut, right? Like D and D and Shadowrun, Mage, and all that other kind of stuff. Um, I actually ended up having. Uh, so I don't know if you guys are very familiar with tabletop RPGs at all. A little bit here and there. A little bit, yeah. Um, so when uh when when the when when D and D moved from second edition to third edition, they they like they had a, basically a bunch of uh, like campaign settings, fictional worlds. Um, in the second edition, they didn't end up using in the third edition. So there were just a bunch of fan communities that kind of sprung up around like taking all the all the all the all the old rules and stuff from the previous edition of the game and converting it to the the new edition, and you know continuing to support new stuff that used the new edition rules but had new content, etc. And uh, Wizards of the Coast, the company that made D and D, kind of gave their blessing to various like to be like, oh, you'll be the official you know website fan community that supports this old setting. Um, and I was involved in one that was for the Dark Sun setting, so it ended up just writing like a ton. To ton ton of game rules and it actually isn't wasn't really that far afield from how design looks now in terms of like what i do day to day in terms of like a very high level right where it's like okay well you figure out you know what your what the goals you want to achieve with these particular set of rules and mechanics whatever are you know you draft them you play test them with some people figure out what works what doesn't take it back make some changes to get it closer toward your goal iterate repeat right um, and that's really not, again, at a very, very high level, that's really not that different from what I do day to day. Um, so that was what kind of got me interested in you know, design uh, broadly. Um, and in terms of actually making digital games, 
uh, I, just, I did my undergrad degree in computer science um, at the University of Colorado. I came up here to Vancouver to the University of British Columbia for graduate school. Um, again, it's still in computer science. And then when I finished, uh, I had to avoid <laughs> being deported. Um, I had to take a temporary stint at a, at a non-gaming company. Um, the technology was interesting. The people were uh, not the best, uh, suffice it to say. But as soon as I got like my full, full um, permanent residency, I can basically live and work and do whatever I want in Canada. I was out of there and into video games. Cool. Yeah. Shorter to not get deported. God, I love the visa rules. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I finished I finished my studies right, and then it was like, okay, well, you, you know, you you get a kind of work permit, of course, but you need to have a job to actually do that. So it's like either yeah, get a job or or get out. <laughs> here's your education. Now here's the door. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um. Yeah, that was basically the path in. So um. Yeah. E- even though all you know what I do now is design, it's still. And maybe this is just a function of clay, um, but it's still uh, pretty pretty darn technical, which now, is which is good, I think. Um, is clay based out of Vancouver, or are they somewhere nope. else? Nope, we're in Vancouver. Uh, okay. We're all here. There's about there's like I don't know, twelve, fifteen people on Ninja, and then like probably seven to ten more in the studio in total, working on other things. Yeah, so it's not it's not very big at all. Other it's, it's, currently nameless things. Uh, well, we talked about one of them. Um, we're basically doing uh, another edition of the Eats game. Oh, that, okay. that was that was Clay's first game. It's kind of like the uh, the Incredible Machine, but with insane cartoon stuff. <laughs> it's actually, I, I remember playing it when I was in undergrad, way before I you know worked for Clay or knew anybody or anything like that. Um, so I've always kind of like liked that game, even though I had absolutely nothing to do with it. So it's cool that it's going to get like a, another life and all new art, all new music, everything. It's actually it's actually kind of awesome. I like that game a lot. <laughs> And I have nothing to do with it, so I don't feel weird saying that. <laughs> now, what is the gaming community like in Vancouver? Because your guys are right next to Seattle, and so I'm thinking yep. you got a lot of connection there. But mm-hmm. are you? No, do you still have your own separate community in Vancouver? Or oh yeah, yeah. No, there, there's probably. I mean, uh, if if you, if you were to exclude Microsoft, um, there's probably about as many studios in Vancouver as there are in uh, in Seattle. Um, so, like, you know, there are a couple of really big ones, like uh, Rockstar Vancouver. They, they did Max Payne 3. Um, they're local. Uh, used to be Blue Castle. Now I think it's just Capcom Vancouver. Um, they did Dead Rising 2. They're here. Uh, obviously, Relic's here. Um, Radical. EA has a giant, like, almost all their sports games, aside from the, foot, the, yeah, the American Tiburon. football ones. Yeah, aside from that, almost every other single one is made here. Um, so there's lots of big studios, and then there's lots of cool... Uh, indie stuff as well. So it's a very good mix. Like the uh, kind of as maybe as a fallout of kind of the the way the industry was here for a really really long time. Like it was basically just the really really big companies. So every, like all all the different developers were really siloed and people didn't really get together and talk very much. Um, and a couple of years ago, myself and some other people were just exhausted by how you know abysmal the community was. We're like, well, we'll drag this thing <laughs> into the future, kicking and screaming if we have to. Um, so since then, we've kind of been able to get like, especially the, the the independent folks, like together a lot more. You know, there's like monthly get-togethers, and you know, we do a bunch of good collaboration and stuff. So the community's definitely. Um, I'm way happier with it now than when I started, which is awesome, and I suspect it will only continue to uh, get better. Well, that's all I had for that. Yeah. I, I, all right. We should probably get to the topics okay. of the week. 
Otherwise, we will never get to them. <laughs> I suppose. As per usual. Yeah. Normally, we have a guest on. They just ramble, and then we're just like, oh, crap. We're running out of time. Yeah, I'm definitely proficient at rambling. Oh. I think it might actually be a requirement to work on video games. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Judging by the, the sample of the game industry that has agreed to come onto our show, <laughs> which is completely an unbiased sample. Right? Yes. yes. Nice. People who agree to go on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit more inclined. <laughs> so speaking of the Xbox, we can actually segue into a topic. Yeah. So remember last week how we talked about there was a fight between Microsoft and Motorola, and then the Motorola droid was banned, was banned. from coming to the United States? Well, it seems now another ruling found that Microsoft was infringing on a Motorola patent, and the Xbox might be banned from coming into the United States. <laughs> oh, right, because there are actually they're a lot of the parts and assemblies in Mexico. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, so <laughs> you can't bring your phones in. Okay, you can't bring your game station in. <laughs> wow. Yeah, technology patents are fantastically stupid. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to guess that both sides are just going to agree to drop their suits. Who knows? It would would cost them less money to just let the other person infringe than to fight this and duke it out. Although, you you really got to hand it to Motorola's research lawyers who found out that the 360 is going to be infringing on the patents. Well, this was actually due, I think, the back in November 2010. Yeah, there was like a thing in Germany or something like yeah. that, right? Wow. That's just, it, okay, ridiculous. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's... Mm. Absolutely ridiculous. Yep, like, when I think about the amount of money that gets expended on these kinds of things, it makes me uh, profoundly sad. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about all the millions of dollars just spent arguing over he said, she said, yep. about patents that are... Yeah. Thankfully, that money spent, actually, it's not really wasted in the sense that it's not going into some abysmal project that's going to fail. That money <laughs> is going out to lawyers who will spend it, and it does circulate back down. Oh, that's, that's actually, speaking of failing, I'm surprised I didn't put it on there. With the closing of um, 38 Studios? Oh, yeah. That, mm, that is not a good situation. No. <laughs> No, this is the thing out in uh, Maryland. Yep, Kurt Schilling's studio that he started up. Yeah, well, what's what's kind of really annoying is that 38 had uh, purchased Big Huge Games. Yeah. Oh, they purchased Big Huge. Oh, Big Huge is so down? Big, so Big Huge is down. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing, right, is that like 38 and Big Huge get kind of conflated, but um, BHG, they, they made the uh, the single-player Kingdoms of Amalur, um and like they actually delivered it on time and under budget right like all all the money that that was getting vacuumed disappeared was going into that MMO which wasn't being made by BHG at all i mean i'm sure there was some you no know, sharing of assets and all that right. kind of stuff um but yeah like as as a singular project like had the MMO not been involved you know the would have been, been fine would have been fine um i mean yeah. certainly it's not like they're, they're driving into the bank and, and cars made of money, um, but certainly certainly well enough that they could have kept going and made another one and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. you know, beyond beyond the rather uh, horrible, seemingly, seemingly 
um, horrible treatment of the staff by all the people at 38. Like that is the other terrible thing that like, you know, a good group of people that made a thing that was certainly not perfect, but probably better than just about anyone was expecting. Um, the fact that that now can't go on because they, they dumped infinite money into a, into a, <laughs> into a they load dumped finite stone. money into an infinite hole. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like that. Uh, the whole thing is not good at all. Although, I mean, I, I, I sympathize for all of the developers and various roles who are now out of a job. But at the same time, when this happens in the industry, usually what, what ends up being seen is in a, a few weeks or a few months, another two or three independent studios open up. Because it's all these people who have the skills and they just say, you know what, screw it. I'll go into it with a, a smaller group and we'll start from scratch. And usually you get a couple good games and good products out of it. Oh yeah, like like I'm I'm sure that won't be um that that is definitely will be pleasant and good and all that. But yeah, it's just the, the circumstances of the thing. Yeah. Kind of. Oh yeah. Kinda falling apart, not not good or okay at all in any way. Now, do you guys? I'm speaking now from being somebody who's working at what I would consider an, almost an indie developer. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see a different kind of reaction for news like this in the indie development community, or does it kind of like the rest of us just going, ooh? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, like, no, I, I certainly have. I mean, there, there's definitely a reason why I make the games I do at the at the size that they are. Um, but it's not like I, I bear no ill will, certainly toward people who work on larger things. I mean, some various you know organizations or kind of the the broad things they, they choose to do or not. Like, I certainly have problems with it there, but, you know, the, the boots on the ground, folks, like, there's certainly no animosity. Um, I, I didn't know anyone at 38, personally. I, I knew, knew some people at Big Huge, um, and that sucks. Uh, but I didn't know anybody at 38, but still, it's like, yeah, that's not a good thing to have in anyone. And the fact that, like, you know, stuff like, um, like, they didn't know their medical insurance was going to expire until one of the one of the staff who was pregnant went to, like, you know, some kind of checkup with their doctor. And they're like, oh, hey, your, your, your insurance expires tomorrow. Oops. Oh, Yep. You might like, want to uh, take care of that. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, obviously, geez. like, uh, that drives into the fact that, you know, that that's even a possibility at all, which I think is, like, unbelievable, um, you know, given that I live in Canada and everyone has health care always forever um, because that's how things should work. Uh, you can't see this, that, but I am shaking my fist in a northward direction. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's stuff like that. And then, uh, again, allegedly, like, uh, some people who... When when 38 moved from Massachusetts to Rhode Island, and they moved, obviously, because the Rhode Island government was like, hey, we'll loan you $75 million. Um, so to get their employees to relocate, uh, 38, basically, I don't know if this is common practice or is it more of an usual thing or whatever, but they kind of took over the responsibility of selling some former employees' houses in Boston, in, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, and then so the, the, the staff's house was sold, and then they moved to, uh, to Rhode Island. But as, as 38 was you know, decomposing, um, some of these people discovered that their houses had not actually been sold. Um, so, surprise, they now have two mortgages and, in fact, owe a bunch of back payments on that, the mortgage on that house they thought had been sold. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's not just like these people are out of a job, which sucks, but of course, like, you can kind of deal with that. Um, but it's more like, hey, you don't have any insurance, and oops, you own two homes. Surprise! 
Oops. Yeah, and that's that's like in a down market at that. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. That's the kind of thing where it's like that's not okay at no. all. Oh man, yeah. I see. Except there's no one to sue at this point because the company doesn't exist. Exactly right. It's like I mean, you know, thirty eight is not even going to be able to pay their secured creditors, let alone like any unsecured stuff that may come out of like a giant class action lawsuit or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, horrible. Ooh. Yep. All right. What else do we have, Andy? Preferably something a little more upbeat. <laughs> um, SpaceX stock today. Yeah, I saw that with the. God, I love how they called it the dragon. So everybody was like, "Oh, we've got the dragon by the tail," and yes. captured a dragon. Here be dragons, and opening the door to the future. Is, uh, <laughs> another one that I heard today. Well, there you go. Speaking of uh, space. NASA officially released the "Hey, don't land here" on the moon sections. <laughs> <laughs> like the in this area, you can't land because this is where we have shit. Yes. Okay. Um, the first, let's see, Apollo eleven and Apollo seventeen. You're not allowed to be within two hundred and fifty feet of Apollo eleven and seven hundred and forty feet of Apollo seventeen. Okay. Yeah, you're not allowed to be anywhere near like you, like you just can't land there. Yeah. Well, you can't. Land land there you can't bring any robots anywhere near them it's a literally a no-go area around a couple of the landing sites and who is going to enforce this <laughs> this is not a no-go this is hey we'd really appreciate it if you just didn't go here well the, nasa actually put that as part of the stipulations when they were helping out with the lunar x prize uh, okay so they said it's part of it still like China did not need Lunar X Prize help, Andy. So if China decides to go to Apollo 11 and take down the flag and put up the Chinese flag, we can't do much about it. No, especially since we don't really have any manned space program at the moment. Yeah, like we can't even go there to fix it at this point. <laughs> well, that's why the CIA put up all those satellites with rail guns on them, right? Right, right. Well, see, that's what I feel like. The only way you could actually keep people away from this is if they had put explosive devices on the landers, <laughs> which would violate a huge number of treaties. So, yeah, so you're not allowed to go anywhere near Apollo 11, Apollo 17, the the uh, laser reflectors that are on the moon, a couple other places, I think the Ranger impact sites, but there actually is now a $4 million bonus prize to any company that can snap photos of man-made objects on the moon. Ha, nice. Because NASA is like, we have no idea what <laughs> we, will happen. Guys, we promise we've been there. <laughs> Well, no, it's well that the fact that we've actually have been there, but the other fact is the that nobody knows what forty years of being on the moon will do to things. Oh yes, yes, oh, yes right. It, the, the thermal expansion and contraction. Yeah, all this the moon dust and everything, the temperature swings, solar radiation. They have nobody has any idea huh. what will happen to things. So they actually want people to go and take a Wait, photo of like the but, rover or something. But they say yeah. you can't get within a certain radius <laughs> of a couple of them. Ah, so I could go to, like, the Apollo 16 site and snap photos. Or the Apollo 15 rover, which is mainly everybody's shooting for that one. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, there's, a, there's spots where NASA doesn't want you to go on the moon, and there are spots that NASA really, really, really wants you to go on the moon. I'm, like, I'm thinking, like, just get a really, really powerful telescope. Oh, believe me, that's still not powerful enough. I think what is, somebody has done calculations of aiming Hubble at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah, Hubble telescope it, and the moon. Does it have the focusing distance All right, to, here we go. to capture something that close? Hubble telescope from the Hubble website. Can the well, Hubble see Apollo landing sites on the moon? No. 
<laughs> yeah, because it can't focus on something that close. That was the yes, point. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. An object on the moon four meters across, viewed from the Hubble Space Telescope, would be about .002 arcsecs in size. The highest resolution currently on the Hubble Space Telescope is at .03 arcsecs in size. Huh. So what we need to do is build something that's 45 meters across yes on the moon yes and then you can see it from the hubble yes as a dot yep right yeah i guess that's the other thing is it like oh yeah you can see it it's that little tiny smear right there we promise that's a a man-made object man-made object that's 120 feet across yes (laughs) so you build a football field on the moon Moonball. Awesome. I think this sounds like a fantastic sport. <laughs> Someone should go talk to type to uh, EA Tiburon and see if next version of Madden or NCAA can have moon gravity. <laughs> oh, dude, moon gravity have like a whole moonscape. Yeah, the physics would be unchanged because <laughs> the physics and NCAA right? momentum is still momentum. Yeah, but when you hit someone, they actually go flying. (laughs) But, Dave, the momentum in NCAA already is screwed up. (laughs) True. You you put a 350-pound lineman with a 99 speed against, like, a little tiny halfback, and it still does not work right. Yeah. Oh, I don't know where to go from the moon. How about Sony's new patent? What's Sony trying to patent now? Another digital media storage? No. Oh, darn. <laughs> yeah. Way, this is way dumber than that. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh-oh. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. It's an ad system that will pause your gameplay in order to watch basically a TV commercial before you resume your gameplay. First off, can you actually patent that? I guess so. A patent has been filed. <laughs> I mean, you can kind of sort of patent almost anything. It's just like whether or not it's actually enforceable. Enforceable, right. But I mean, like, does this, would this include, hey, you're coming up to a boss battle, and on the loading screen I put an ad? No, I, I think the patent was, like, specifically that it interrupts the course of normal gameplay. I mean, granted, there are, like, stupid patents for just about everything in the world, and just because... Again, because of how stupid the patent system is, um, people patent crap even if they never intend to use it. But the fact that even someone anywhere thought it's like, that's a thing we might want to do someday is kind of gross. Yeah. Man, I I could see it somehow, like, especially in Madden football, the fact that, oh, there's an injury on the field. During this timeout, let's show you a commercial for Gillette Razors. <laughs> or for Budweiser, because... Football commercials, cars. See, but that's that's not interrupting normal gameplay. Yeah, true. This would be like I'm in the middle of making a pass, and while the ball is in the air, it interrupts and shows me an ad for Gillette Razors, for Gillette Razors, or Budweiser, or any number of automobiles, (laughs) (laughs) or some sort of uh, erectile dysfunction pill. Yeah. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be such a smooth transition, right? You've got the football, it's in the air, and then it just kind of cuts to that same football going through a tire swing. Oh! <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the whole thing is dumb. The, yeah, and the worst part is I could see Sony pulling this off where the developers wouldn't have a say in it because they could just wire this into the hardware. Oh, this God. could be Sony making money and not developers. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, like I'm, you know, obviously I, I, I don't have much cause for alarm that this will ever actually be a thing. Um, could you imagine the backlash if that actually gets implemented? Oh, my God. I mean, obviously, like, it would probably, like, if, if someone were to just really be like, oh, the game is free, but you have to watch these commercials in the middle of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> there's, there's a free reason why. Versus, uh, ad-supported versus pay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Do you want yeah, to go through some good news, some happy news? <laughs> yes, please, because that's, that's not happy news. No, yeah, this has been quite a downer episode. It had such a good start. What did you do to us, Andy? <laughs> it's the news. I don't even Let's get me. Let's upbeat. Um, Facebook's IPO. No, that's not upbeat. <laughs> Facebook IPO. No, that's not How much there. money did they lose in the first week of trading? Well, the stock's down to $31, and the SEC is investigating the Facebook IPO, and there's, I think, a class action lawsuit against them already. <laughs> Damn it, I should have bought stock so I could get in on the class action. <laughs> Yeah, your stock would be down. Let's see, it opened at 38. It's down to, I think, 31 No, no, now. no, no. Andy, it opened at 38 in the sense that that's what all the private trading was. By the time it actually hit the market, it was up to 41. True. And now it's down to 31. You're looking at more than a 25% loss. All right. Let's talk about the Intel International Science and Engineering Fair, okay? Yes. 1,500 high school students from 70 different countries competed in what is the world's largest high school science fair. Yes. The winner was a kid, 15-year-old kid, who invented a piece of paper. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I heard this on NPR. Yeah, to develop a urine and blood test that detects pancreatic cancer with a 90% accuracy. Whoa. For like five cents a test. Yeah, 28 times cheaper and faster and over 100 times more sensitive than current tests. 15-year-old high school kid. What? For a high school science fair. Wow. Yep. (laughs) So what did you do for your science fair? I made a baking soda volcano. What did you do? I invented a test that can detect three different forms of cancer with 90% accuracy. (laughs) Costs about five cents per sheet. Takes a couple minutes. Wow. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. I mean, Uh, it it has to do with the antibodies in your blood that are developed when you have said types of cancer. And then it's just a reactive piece of paper that changes conductivity based on those antibodies. Jesus. I mean, maybe it's just because I've been out of high school for about a decade now. Yeah, my uh, high school wasn't like that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's just like doing something like that is so far afield from like anything that anyone gave. It's like, I don't even know where that starts, right? It's like, <laughs> I need an idea for the science fair. Hmm, cancer detection? Like, <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't even know what the genesis of that looks like. <laughs> All right, no, no, not even that. There were, there were two runner-ups also that received $50,000. One, which was okay, developed what he called microsearch, which combs through small amounts of content such as tweets or Facebook status updates to improve the function of search engines. So he's getting hired by Google when he finishes his CS degree. Yep. <laughs> the second one, oh my that, goodness. That's about to land a six-figure career. And the second one? Um, who is it? Aria Dychowski from Virginia. Side note, the one who did the microsearch is actually from Ontario. 
Oh, nice. The other one um, investigated the science of quantum teleportation and discovered that through a process of entanglement, information from one atom will appear in another atom when the quantum state of the first atom is destroyed. <laughs> well, like, that's not new. They've been doing that. <laughs> With yeah, quantum teleportation? Yeah, they've been doing quantum teleportation but research. But quantum teleportation research for a high school science fair project? Well, but all it says is he investigated it, not that he actually performed it. Which is probably why he got third, or she, or <laughs> runner-up. Yeah, runner-up, compared <laughs> It's like, nope, nope, see if you'd actually gone through the trouble of having a working demonstration of quantum <laughs> teleportation, then you'd have gotten first place. No, you lose to a guy with a piece of paper so, that detects cancer. Oh, man. Sounds like Valve is writing this. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's insane. Man, way to go, science kids. Jesus. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's kind of awesome. I approve. That's, that's, that, is a, that is definitely a, a, a positive story. <laughs> um, MIT's developed a new ketchup bottle. I saw that. So. All right. Yeah, if you have a chance to watch the video, it it doesn't. Yeah, it's this stuff, uh, super hydrophobic spray, which originally you could spray on your clothes, and literally the dirt will um, just kind of like fall off. And they you can put it over circuit boards to make them water resistant. They made a food safe version called Liquid Glide. They put it inside glass, plastic, and metal bottles that will just make anything just slide right out of the bottle. As long as it's water based, I, it it's basically like Teflon on steroids. So now you don't have to worry about that that classic hitting the ketchup bottle, which technically you're still I think you're supposed to hit the fifty seven. You hit the fifty seven. Yeah, to get it to work. But this stuff, you don't even have to do that. It. Well, no, I, I assume that for the first one, you'll still need to hit the 57 to just get it moving. I, I don't think so. Well, because, Andy, if you just turn it upside down, there's nowhere for it to go because the air pressure is pushing it up. Uh, That's why you hit the 57 is to kind of break that, that air pressure seal. Okay. But still, it's, it looks freaky watching the video. It looks unnatural. Because it's ketchup sliding around a bottle? Yes, sliding around like it's not ketchup. It's very interesting. Very I mean, crazy. Like, hypothetically, that's, that's actually, a, in, in terms of you know the, the, the cost of recycling stuff, like actually on a significant cost to doing any kind of like large-scale recycling is actually cleaning all the shit, right? Yeah. Like you're supposed to wash all your jars, and no one actually does. No, no. Um, so if, like, if, if, the, if the cost of doing this was actually relatively cheap, like you actually make recycling well, like broadly a lot cheaper. But then you have to worry about whether or not this will actually destroy the idea of you can recycle it because uh, you know if they're going to recycle the bottle by grinding it down melting it and reusing it you have this new substance in there that's mm. well, true well maybe you can just bring your ketchup bottle back to the store and just get it filled back up with ketchup <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like one of those things for water bottles, just for with ketchup. With ketchup, yeah, all the condiments. <laughs> one with ketchup, one with mustard, stone ground mustard, yellow mustard, spicy <laughs> mustard, horseradish mustard. I think I've got what four different types of mustard here: Dijon, grape poupon, honey. I've got regular classic yellow. I've got horseradish. I've got Dijon, yeah. and I think we've got like a dill mustard. <laughs> Yeah, four different types of mustard here. That's intense. This is a man who likes his mustard. Yes, oh. and horseradish, but I don't have a lot of that sitting around. Oh, horseradish. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not fond of either of those things. What? Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. That's, 
I'm sorry. All right, Nels, what would be your condiment of choice then? Oh, is gravy a condiment? Depends on your meal. <laughs> I'd like a hot dog with gravy. I don't know. Maybe. Not that, I don't well, know. actually, the hot dog with gravy wouldn't be all that bad. Yeah. No. Yeah, if not that, then, I don't know, barbecue sauce probably. Okay. Uh, let's see. We have the RIAA has sued LimeWire, even though LimeWire doesn't really officially exist anymore. Okay. And, you know, based on their calculation of charging per download, okay. they have calculated the value of the suit at $72 trillion. <laughs> Wasn't that higher than more than all money everywhere? <laughs> that is actually exactly correct. If you take all the money everywhere and add it all together, it comes to be about sixty trillion dollars. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, so the RIA like... wants all the money, <laughs> <laughs> all of it, everywhere for always. Yes. I mean, like, it just demonstrates how, how, like, absurd this process is, right? Like, the fact that anyone can, like, like, of course a judge will throw it out or whatever, but it's like the fact that anyone could spend any amount of time being like, this is a worthwhile investment of <laughs> human life. It's, it's just, it's just, oh, yeah. Of time and resources, right? This is, uh, that is so much money. <laughs> So the judge threw it out and said, no, you cannot charge per download. You can only charge per song. Uh, it still comes out to be at $1.6 billion. Oh, God. <laughs> this has not been a happy episode. This has just been no. Well, this is a lot of companies being very stupid again. Oh, this is not an uncommon theme for us, Andy. I know. Oh. People being stupid. Yes. That's how the world goes round, because yeah, people say, can't figure it, it out. I don't think that's an uncommon theme for anything anywhere ever. No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you how I've spent my week. I've been playing Diablo 3. Click, 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 click. Lots of clicking. And when I go on to Steam... Now, keep in mind, Diablo 3 is not a Steam game. Okay. When I go on Steam, the majority of my friends' list says Diablo 3. Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, this is not a, a strange quirk. Yeah, Diablo 3 sold really, really, really well. How well? Thank you for asking, Andy. <laughs> the first week, 6.3 million copies. 6.3 million copies? That's half the population of World of Warcraft worldwide. <laughs> That's an interesting way to think about it, I guess. Some, some number of those were the people who got it for free because they bought, like, a year of WoW or whatever it was, right? Uh, that 1.2 million people were not counted, at least in the original 3.5. I don't know if they're counted in the 6.3. I see, I see. I mean, it doesn't matter how you slice it, right? Like, that is... That is yeah, there's, there's between 6 and 7.5 and million people who now have a copy of Diablo. <laughs> Oh, man. Activision made buckets. Yep. Oh, well, this is what happens when you get a game that everybody wants to play for years. Yep. Have you guys seen the secret level in Diablo 3? And Andy, I have a counter to that statement in just a sec. No, I have not. So just... remember when they were developing this, there was a, a huge uprising of it looks too pretty and too bright mm -hmm. and sunny. There's actually a secret level which is filled with unicorns and, and fairies and rainbows. <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome. And you go there and you slaughter everything. <laughs> uh, Andy, my, my counterpoint to your this is what you do when you have a game everyone wants that has been in the making for 12 years. Yeah. That sounds awfully familiar. Do you perhaps know what I'm about to say? Duke Nukem? Thank you. Oh, yeah. As soon as you said that sounds familiar, I'm like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> We've been here before. 
Yeah, it happens. happens when you spend 12 years and make a good game. True. Very true. Yeah. I mean, of course, like, I mean, really, the thing was almost destined for success, so it's not... Yeah. The fact that it did really well was not particularly surprising, um, but certainly that, that degree is still like, man, a lot of it's, people really want to click on a skeleton, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty staggering. Yeah. Nels, did your uh, work productivity kind of take a hit after Diablo 3 came out? Oh, no, no, no. Well... Well, not you people, personally, I'm just saying, yeah, with the I development think, of the I, game. Yeah, I think I think a few people... At, well, <laughs> for those first how many, couple of days... Let me ask you this. First off, how many people were sick the first day? I, no, I, no, no one failed to come in, I think, because um, they, they were error 37 uh, <laughs> from not actually playing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I, so I don't I don't I don't think many people's lives were actually impaired for at least a little while. I, th- I think I think a few folks are in, into it now, but it wasn't okay. it wasn't like crazy insano. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not, and yeah. you you guys are getting pretty close to ship date, so I expect. Oh, yes. Well, certain date anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have a we have a lot to do, <laughs> not a lot of time to do it in. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do what they say can't be done. <laughs> Long road, huh? Come Andy. on, it's true. Andy. Smoking in the Bandit. Come Time. on. Come on. Come on. We're not allowed to sing anyway, remember? I, I know. But it's Smoking in the Bandit. We that all the time, but we're not allowed to sing. Right. Awesome. So, speaking of time, we should probably... Um, random Random review. review. Yes. Go. My, uh, since it's my week, I don't know how we did this alternating week thing, but... Uh, my week, I am reviewing websites since it's Memorial Day weekend. People are probably going to be out driving if they're going somewhere. Hence, you have friends visiting you, Dave. Yeah, I, although I'm really amused because this is going to come out on Memorial Day, but go ahead. Well, I'm t- for future usage, especially the summer traveling season is coming up. Okay. Gasbuddy.com. It's a site that I actually didn't know about until having to do the cross-country super trip. It's a website that it's basically um, crowd surfing gas prices crowd everywhere. Sourcing? Crowd crowdsourcing, not crowd surfing. Crowdsourcing <laughs> gas prices. Crowd surfing is something very different. Yes. So people will go and when they pass a gas station, they will post what the gas price is to Gas oh. Buddy. And then you can go onto the website and find out right now the cheapest unleaded gas near me is three sixty six, and the most expensive is three uh, three eighty nine. Hmm. So I can know where the cheapest gas is, which is okay. What what really I'm reviewing is their mobile app. They finally released a mobile app for Gas Buddy, so you can get this on your Android phone, which will let you find the cheapest gas nearest to your current location. Hmm. That's cool. No, but here's the thing. Yes. If there is a difference of one cent per gallon. Yes, I know you do the calculations of is, are you and, actually saving yeah, if money. You, if you have to drive more than like two miles to get there, it's not worth the savings. I know, which is why you can do nearest to me. But you can also do the cheapest price. You can, you can reorganize the list how you see fit according to the mobile app. Why I really love this is the fact that I drive a diesel. Ooh, that's right. Which They have diesel fuel listed. Yes. Which, now you think, okay, going to a gas station, there's going to be gas there. Is there going to be diesel fuel there? The answer is most likely no. And so I use it. So if I'm running low on gas, as I was a day or two ago, 
I'm like, crap, I need to get to a gas station. But I'm in a part of town that I've never been to before. Where the hell is the cheapest diesel gas nearest to me? And I found, hey, there's a BP station two miles down this road over here that's got, it's not the cheapest, but hey, it's your closest and it's like one of the three cheapest prices in town at the moment. So I just drove there and got gas. That's that's what I'm really loving about it. (laughs) For diesel cars, this thing is a godsend because if you're driving cross country, that was... If I'm driving to Fargo and I need to stop and get gas somewhere, I can actually find out, okay, where is the nearest diesel gas station for me? Yep. Now, keep in mind, it's also dependent on the crowdsourcing, though. Yes, that is the other problem is there's some gas that's 22 hours. Uh, there's prices on here that are over a day old, oh. 29 hours, 27 hours. And they do change every day. Yes. So mileage may vary, but most of these, this one was posted uh-huh. 13 hours ago, 18 hours ago, 14 hours ago. It's the diesel prices. The um, gas prices, three hours, 57 minutes, seven minutes, 34 minutes. These are all local times for me in Kalamazoo, which is not, yes, it's sort of metropolitan, not even metropolitan, I would say it's decently sized. So yeah, 34 minutes, 36 minutes, 42 minutes, one hour, one hour, two hours. Hmm. I like the heat map on the website. Yes. I'm having a little bit of fun with that. So that, that's also helpful, especially if you're planning a huge, you know, cross-country size trip. Yeah. You can actually figure out how much it's going to cost you for gas. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, oh. Well, different states have, like, weird different fuel taxes, too, right? So it's that, like... That's why California should, is always the most expensive gas in the United States. Yeah. Uh, continental. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hawaii. <laughs> oh, gosh. Gas yeah. in Hawaii. Let, let's clarify. <laughs> but, so, yeah, it's Gas Buddy. If you okay. if you're curious about how much gas you're going to need, or you're going to take on the, the Android Market, or do you have to custom install or what? Nope, Android Market. Well, tell you, it's or called the Google, Google Play, Play Store. Oh God, why would they call that? Because they yeah, did. <laughs> yes, let me just double check that before I confirm. Gas Buddy, yes, it's on the Google it's, Play Market. Yes, it's I'm free. Looking at the page right now, it's already installing to my phone. I walk to work. <laughs> Some of us don't have that. God, public transportation in the state of Michigan is dismal. Because it's the state of Michigan, Andy. I know. It's the state the that point hosts. is everyone is supposed to have a car. Yeah, stupid motor city. <laughs> oh, right. That, uh, right, right. Like, it's easier for me taking public transportation to go to O'Hare Airport than it is to the Detroit Airport. <laughs> wow. Well, it's also roughly equidistant for you. Yes, true. But still, the ability to, to you know, drive it, take a train into Chicago and then take public transportation. I think it's to the O'Hare. blue line to O'Hare. It is the blue line. That's so much easier than going to Detroit. You have to take the train station. You have to take, I think, three different buses. And then you can finally, you know, take one bus line out to Detroit Airport, DTW. Oh. So there you go. Gas Buddy. If you're going to be driving over the summer, check it out. Will do, because I will be driving over the summer. Speaking of driving over the summer, I believe we have a random topic. Yes, we do. The random topic. (sighs) A while ago, I forgot what episode it was. I'll have to check the list. But Dave and I had the random topic of, is it considered visiting a state? Or what do you consider visiting a state? And we talked about airplane trips and car rides and that sort of stuff. Which, um, right after that episode aired... We got a request for a random topic. How many states have you visited? Dave, should we go through this one at a time? or? Well, I'm, I'm trying to... We, we never came to a conclusion about what does it mean to visit a state. Well, I know just visiting an airport is right out. Okay, but driving? 
Or, I mean, if you have to walk out of the airport? Okay, so my layover in Atlanta does not count. I Did spent, you leave the airport? No, I didn't. I spent four hours there waiting because that stupid plane broke down. Okay, so we're going to go with the idea of airport is, you know, it, it's like an embassy. It's not actually the, <laughs> the state. Yes. Okay. But when I spent a spring break down in Atlanta, then yes, that would count. Okay. Now it comes down to the driving part of the things. Because Does driving through a state count. Yeah, because technically, if can we it, can we say it counts if you get out of the car? But That's if you, what I would say. But if you get out of the car at a nationwide gas station, does that really count? It's that it's that same argument we had last time. Is if there's nothing specific to the place. No, see, but based on what we've said and decided on the airport, that if you step outside of the airport, off the airport property. I am seeing your car as the airport. As long as you step outside of your car, you are in that state. Okay. So is there any state we didn't stop at on the cross-country super trip? Um, I don't think we actually stopped in Illinois, but I've been to Chicago many a time. Let's just go through this alphabetically, and Niels, you can jump in if there's actually been a state that you have visited on Uh, this list. That's probably going to be a lot. All right, uh, Alabama. We'll start first I off. I do not believe so. Bialula Battery, Alabama. I helped out with a church group down there. That's actually the fictitious home of Bubba Gum Shrimp. Ugh. Shrimping is big down there. So that's one for me. Alaska. No. No. Nope. Arizona? Yes. Yes. Yeah, me too. Hoover Dam. Uh, Arkansas. Uh, I've been to Arkansas. I have not. Arkansas, I have not. You are not missing anything. <laughs> okay. Uh, California, yes. Yes. Colorado, yes. Yep. No. Connecticut. I have to think for a second. No. I've spent almost no time east of the Mississippi, basically. Yeah, the first time west of the Mississippi was, what, six years ago for me? Uh, Connecticut, I, mm, I'll have to look on that one, because we did take trips to Boston, so I'm not sure if you've been through Connecticut or not. D.C. Right, D.C. isn't a state. Fine, but I've been to D.C. <laughs> Doesn't matter, it's not a state. Delaware, I have not been to. No. Nope. Florida, yes. 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 Georgia, yes. Yes. Hawaii. I think it was a long time yep. ago. You've been to Hawaii? Yeah, that's where my wife and I went on our honeymoon. Ooh. Ah, ha, ha. Puerto Rico's not a state either, Damn Andy. it. <laughs> it was nice, though, except Neither everybody spoke long. Spanish. <laughs> um, Idaho, yes. Oh, yes. Illinois, Chicago, yes. Yeah. Indiana, South Bend, yes. I'm actually going to be going back to there to visit my, I think, my great uncle, who is a uh, father at Notre Dame University. That's oh. going to be in two weeks, so might have a random topic recap coming up. Nelson, I missed you. Did you get in uh, Illinois and Indiana? I'm sure Illinois, because yes. I'm sure you've been to Chicago. Yes. Uh, Indiana? No, neither, actually. Really? Yep. Like I said, I've, I have not been east of the Mississippi very much. Huh. Yes. Iowa. Yes, I have been there. I have, too. Nope. Kansas. I've been to Kansas. I have not. It was flat. I have not been to Kansas either, I do believe. Kentucky? No, it was, the, it was Kansas where I picked up the car. When did you get... Picked... Well, you did do that drive down to L.A. Yes, but we went... Did you? Oh, yeah, did we you went through Kansas? Kansas for that. Yeah, you're right. All right, so Andy's got Kansas. Kentucky? Yes, been to Kentucky. I will be going to Kentucky in a couple months. But not yet. No, I've not been there yet. Okay. So Louisiana. I'm, currently, I'm currently at 11. Yeah. I've got them so far. Don't worry. Right. I'm at nine. Nelson's at eight. Uh, Louisiana, I have not been to. Nope. nope. Maine? 
Nope. Yes. Oh. Maryland. Yes. Uh, Annapolis is in Maryland, right? Technically. Then yes. Okay. Massachusetts, we've been to Boston. Yep. yep. Nels, I'm guessing you've been to Boston if you were at PAX uh, East. Yep. I was there a couple months ago, a month and a half, whatever it was. Michigan. Uh, yes. Yeah. Nay. Minnesota. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Well, my dad's from Minnesota. Missouri. Uh, or, sorry, Mississippi, first. then Missouri. You're right. Mississippi. Um, no, I have not been to Mississippi. I don't think I have either. Nope. Missouri that I've been to. Yeah, I've been to Missouri. I've been to Branson, Missouri. <laughs> Did you go see a music act in Branson? Uh, it was a family reunion thing. It was uh, It was something, that's for sure. It was something. <laughs> Montana. Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately. Montana's long. Yeah, very long. Nebraska, yes. Um, no. Yes. Yes. Yeah, CCST. Yeah, because we drove through there when we went through Iowa and Nebraska yeah, and South Dakota. North. I don't think so. Nevada, yes. Yes. Yep. New Hampshire, no. Uh, I don't think so for me. New Hampshire's the one that's next to Vermont, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, I have not been there. I have not either. New Mexico, yes. Yep. Do you want to maybe hit New Jersey? How about New York first? New Hampshire, New Mexico. No, you're right. New Hampshire, New Mexico. New Jersey, New Jersey, New Mexico, New, Mexico, New York. <laughs> New York. God, all these new states. So New uh, Jersey. I've been to New York. I've been to New Jersey. Andy's been to Jersey. And I've New, been York. To New York. Wait, Nels has been to New York. Andy's been to New York. I'm trying to remember if I've been to Jersey. I don't think I've been to Jersey. <laughs> You didn't miss much. Uh, North Carolina. Yes. It's actually where I spent my 16th birthday. I was on a church trip at the time. Dave, you been to North Carolina? Not to my knowledge. I have not. North Dakota. I've been to North Dakota. Yep. Yep. Oh, Dave, did I uh, tell you this? Completely off topic, but one of my coworkers (laughs) married somebody from Fargo, and so we talked about the booze barn. She knew what it was? Well, he knew what it was. Because, yeah, he knew what it was. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yep. Happy Harry's. I'm like, yes. Anyone who's been to Fargo knows about the booze barn. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Ohio. Yes. Yes. Nope. Oklahoma. Yes. I have been to Oklahoma. Oregon. Yep. Nope. Pennsylvania. Yes. Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Yes. You, what? You've been to Rhode Island? I went to pick up my sister. Oh, a no for me. South Carolina is also a no. I've actually been to South Carolina. Charleston is super nice. I would South see that. Dakota, yes, for Andy and I. Yep, Mount yep. Rushmore. Yeah, I've been to South Dakota too. Tennessee, yes. Yes. Nope. Texas, yes. Oh, yes. Barely yes. Texas, though. I'm right across that top bit. Utah, um, no. Yeah, I've been I've been to Utah. I've been to Salt Lake City. Didn't you I had get- to lay over there, and then I elected to not take the flight so that other people could. So you stayed at Utah? Yeah, I remember that call. You're like, what bar is open in Utah? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the answer is none. <laughs> That's actually exactly correct. I hadn't realized my hotel was about four blocks from the uh, central the buildings of the church, the yep. temple. Yep. So, yeah, there was nothing to drink. Nope. <laughs> Vermont, no, but I do want to go at some point. I don't believe I have. No. Okay. Virginia. Virginia. Yes. yes. Nope. Washington. Seattle. We've all been to PAX, yes. Yep. Okay. That was last weekend. 
to Washington, not PACs. Yes, yes. Right. No, okay. I like secret PACs. <laughs> like, I know they're planning on starting another one, but I thought maybe Heels would have told us about that. <laughs> secret PACs. <laughs> hey, guys, there's a secret PACs this weekend in Texas. <laughs> West Virginia. Ah, no. Yes. Nope. I think. Pretty sure. Yes. <laughs> would have had to. Yep. What'd you do in West Virginia? Drove through it. Oh. But stopped. <laughs> and Wyoming. You forgot Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I suppose so. Wisconsin is the last state. No, that's 49. Wyoming is the last state in the 50 states that rhyme. Yeah, I was doing the song, too. <laughs> uh, I, I think, yes, I've been in Wisconsin. Wyoming, yes, because that's uh, Devil's Towers in Wyoming, isn't it? It is. Oh, so I almost slept through it. <laughs> yes, you almost slept through Wyoming. Like, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> Shut up. We're going to go see Devil's Tower. That's what you ask when you live in Wyoming. Yes. What the hell am I doing? So we were, this was the first year we drove to PAX and we were coming back and I was asleep and I wake up and I like, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like, Hey, we're in Wyoming. I'm like, the hell are we doing in Wyoming? Well, not only in Wyoming, we're off the highway in Wyoming. Yeah. Like we were on some back road and we're like, what the hell are we doing here? And it's, well, we're going to go see Devil's Tower. Frick is Devil's Tower. Uh, Devil's Tower is pretty cool, but the rest of the state, not. It's only cool if you've seen Close Encounters of a Third Kind, which I (laughs) hadn't at that point. It's like, what the hell are we doing here? Let's go home. But it was awesome, though, was the fact that because you're just driving around some hills, and then all of a sudden you just go over this one hill, and you're like, what the hell is that? Yep. Random thing just sticking out of the ground by itself. All right, I clock Andy at 33 states visited. Oh, yeah. I'm right behind at 31, and Nels evidently needs to travel more. He has 23 states. <laughs> well, it's all those tiny East Coast states. Y'all drive for two hours, go through six states. Y'all, yeah. y'all in your east side, northeastern <laughs> states. God, have you ever actually... There's a... Uh, it was on the History Channel. I think we talked about it, but how the states got their shapes. Most of it's by rivers, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no. There, well, there was a there was a two hour like documentary put on by the History Channel that kind of does an overview, and they actually like because the map of the United States kind of goes east to west, and they talk about how the different types of state borders were created, like starting out like eastwards, working their way to the west, and it works well with the history of the United States as a whole. Mm-hmm. Nels being Canadian probably doesn't care about this. <laughs> but still. Yeah, I was at one point a U.S. citizen, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I still have dual citizenship. Right, yeah. This is... I thought the U.S. doesn't count dual citizenship. The U.S. doesn't recognize dual citizenship, but it doesn't revoke your U.S. citizenship. Okay. Yes, exactly. So according to the U.S., Nels is only a U.S. resident. Once you're an American, you're always an American unless you, you know, go in and basically go to an go embassy and throw your passport at them and give them the finger. I'd love to see the, do- the government document for that. All right. Has they thrown me the passport? Check. Has they given me the middle finger? Remember, it has to be signed in triplicate. <laughs> Does that mean you need to give them three middle fingers? <laughs> Can I just hurry the process and give you my f- three fingers right at the same time, or do they have to be three middle <laughs> fingers separately? Let's see, but if you just give them three fingers, they think you're asking for three things. This is... You, you lose all the meaning. Ah. So, okay. go me... Go, Andy. You are two states ahead of me. <laughs> Most so, excuse of my... me. I need to go fly somewhere. <laughs> oh, say, bon voyage, then. <laughs> yeah, where are you going to go to? Uh, somewhere up east or Nebraska? I'm looking. Uh, let's see. I'm missing Alaska, missing Arkansas, 
Connecticut, Delaware. Wait, no, maybe I was in Connecticut. <laughs> nope, you already said think. 31. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think. Shush. Yeah, you know what? I have been in Connecticut, so that brings me up to 32. I'm one behind Andy. Because <laughs> how we would have gotten to Rhode Island, it would have been through the bottom of New York, because it was from Hershey, Pennsylvania, through New York, and it would have been through Connecticut to Rhode Island. But once again, I am still not really liking that whole getting out of the car thing. <sighs> you lose a fair number of these, too. No, not really, actually. No? No. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the episode. Nels, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, of course. We do uh, give you have one last opportunity to have uh, advertised for any <laughs> website of your choice, although I, I can kind of guess which one you're going to say, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah it's just markoftheninja.com. Remember, Mark of the Ninja, not Mark yes. the Ninja. Yes. <laughs> that of is very important. <laughs> Mark All the right. Ninja. He's, you know... Very nice stealth game coming from Clay. The guy <laughs> named Mark. The, the guy named Mark, who he's, is a ninja. He's, he's very quiet. The problem with this now is I'm going to play this game, <laughs> and I'm going to think that the main character's name is Mark the entire Mark. time. <laughs> hey, we, we never say it isn't. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Mark the Ninja. He's friends with Steve the Pirate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. It was fun. All right. Have a good week. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening.